Today we talk mangoes, pelicans and a bit of professional surfing as we chat to Lucas Proudfoot on Benny Asking People Questions. Asking People Questions is proudly supported by Major Minor Music Australia, who wish to thank the people of the Gadigal Nation on whose lands all their work is done. If you'd like to know more, then head along to mmma.com.au. There are acts that spend many hours in the think tank creating themes, images, ideas, futures, branding, all in the hope to create longevity and success. And they often do this long before a note is sung, long before a child is met, or even if a concert is played. It's certainly not the wrong way, and we've seen many a success from this method, but sometimes, and it it really is actually quite rare, sometimes we see people rise to the top of their industry without them even realising they were headed that way. And this success comes purely from passion, clarity, and really just a strong desire to do what it is that they do. Sometimes their personas are so captivating and their belief in what they have to say is so genuine that it's impossible to not sit up and take notice. Today's act is one of these, a career that just simply began and grew and grew and grew and grew. He quit with me once that he does no advertising and I would believe it because I cannot imagine a visit from him to your school or centre does not get followed with the most extensive word of mouth conversations. He is in high demand and is currently embarking on a whole new project and we are very grateful to have been able to find a slot in his outrageous schedule to have a wee chat. Uh, Welcome Lucas Proudfoot to Benny Asking People Questions. Thanks for being here. Wow, what an intro. Thank you so much, Benny. That was very kind and um it's a pleasure to be here, brother. Yeah, no, it's 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 really um I well actually before we get too much into it, like give us a brief history because you did because I mean from what I understand is you kind of it wasn't like you woke up one day and went, This is gonna be my career. You kind of just found yourself doing it and is that is that kind of correct? Yeah, kind of correct. I've always been involved with music. My parents are um, both school teachers, so I grew up around the northern rivers of New South Wales, travelling um, wherever mum and dad were teaching. So we bounced around for a few different towns and schools, and we end up basing ourselves up on the Tweed Coast, where mum's family's from and dad's family's from. And um, they were musical. Uh, there was always a guitar, um, you know, a wooden spoon, and a and a, some type of pot getting hit in the house, and and we were always singing and dancing and. Um, I, I remember seeing the Sing, Sing, Sing books come home and, and we used to open them up and from yeah, Mr. Right. Clickety-Clack and all these different songs and My Highland Goat and all these things that Dad would mm. come home and sing that he'd sing to the kids at school. So it was kind of always in and around me. And then, um, yeah, just through my through my young years up through high school, I was just playing in bands and having fun at school. And and then I, I guess the concert there was, you know, my my parents were always at schools. I was, before I had my own car, I was <laughs> driving with my dad to his school, dropping him off and taking the car and going surfing for the day and then dropping it back. So I was always in and around schools from mm. when I was, a, yeah, when I was, I can remember. So yeah. there. <laughs> so does that mean music and education were always there in the forefront or, or you said you're doing music on other things? Like, I mean, there must've been a point where you just sort of went, actually, you know what, I could probably do this for children as well. Um, that came a little bit later, but I, I, I played in a band from about 19 to 28, 29, so a good 10-year period. And and um, I, I, the band ran its course and I, I, I come back and mum said, you know, you should look at doing something for schools or, you know, combining the, the sort of your skill set which was, <laughs> I was lucky enough to travel a lot, but I was playing in a like band. like a child. And then, and, uh... <laughs> but, yeah, maybe that was the the indirect messaging. That was the small print I didn't read properly. But um, I heard what I wanted to hear, which is yeah, exactly. um, sometimes creatives can be good at that. Um, but, yeah, it was just, I, I, I don't know, I had a cultural upbringing too of learning Aboriginal dance and from where I come from, which is Bundjalung country. And, and I had sort of the cultural side, the travelling with the surfing and then playing in a band, and I sort of combined those three skill sets and um created a show that's um still going today 12 years later so yeah, it's always kind of been there yeah so actually correct me if i'm wrong you actually were like a pro surfer is that correct yeah i always joke in my show that was that was 10 kilos i mean 10 years ago so it's kind of um <laughs> but i was yeah look okay i had 
growing up in a, 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 on the Tweed Coast in New South Wales with some great surfers and, and you know, surfing not only the Tweed Coast but moving up to Snapper Rocks and if the famous Superbag, I was mm. surfing from a very young age. So, yeah, I competed professionally from 19 to the age of 24, 25, and wow. I was at a had a, a, a international sponsor with Oxbow International and basically it saw me travel around the world for four to five years um, surfing basically, yeah, all different countries from Jeffreys Bay to Raglan to, to you're all through Europe and America and Hawaii. Wow. So, yeah, there's a lot that's of traveling. A, that's amazing. I, I guess the other thing I hear about that, though, is, I, and, I, and I, I haven't, because it's fresh info, I'm not entirely sure how it equates to what you do now, but I guess with the touring of the band and the surfing, I mean, you're actually also getting some fairly decent life experience Yes. At a pretty young so, age. I mean, you're seeing a lot of stuff and going to places that other 19-year-olds just <laughs> probably aren't going to. Well, I saw my my older friends. I, I was lucky I had some older friends who were about four or five years ahead of me, and I saw the experiences they were having. I thought, you know, I'd love to do that. Mm. Uh, but I would take my guitar, Benny. I'd take my guitar and my dish, and I actually wrote a lot of music, I reckon north of 100 songs during that period of just I would stay behind. There'd be three weeks in between contests. Yep. And I remember I, I would just base myself in a place called uh, San Sebastian in Spain and uh, I'd spend the next three weeks just be- between Connors just basically living there, wow. surfing and, and writing music. And that was in the summertime. So I was um, I had good friends there that had hostels and they ran restaurants and so it was kind of lucky and I look back on it now very fondly because it was quite a, those formative years of creative and I'd actually play music in restaurants just to you know earn a little bit of coin in between contests wow. and and I'd always take a member of the band at the time because we're playing in the band at the same time and either the drummer or the guitarist would come over and we or the bassist would come over and we would um we would we would get wow <laughs> yeah so uh, we didn't bu- we bust yeah we bust once actually I always remember there's a I think there's American guys doing fire twirling I remember playing the dig and the guitar and he was fire twirling and I think we made you know, maybe that was before the Euro was in, so maybe seven pesos, so we had to split that. That was great. Uh, <laughs> and that went pretty quick living in those yeah. sort of areas. But, um, yeah, it's just it was, it was great. And I, I tell my kids about it these days, and they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're, not, they're not old enough yet, but it's yeah, – um, yeah. That sounds great. Do you know Beyonce? And you go, no, that's not what I – Yeah, my yeah, yeah. Always, Whenever I say I'm a musician, my kids immediately, do you know Taylor Swift? No. Like, we don't – what? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, no, but it was, yeah, it was amazing. Jumpy, bouncy, hoppity, woo, and I guess with such exposure, particularly somewhere like Spain, I mean, what do you, do you know what kind of or can you pinpoint what kind of made you want to come back to Australia? Is it just purely just this This is your home, this is where your heart is? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like I, I would go away, but I would always yearn for home. There's something mm. about coming into your <laughs> to your time, time zone or coming back home and hearing mm. that familiar accent and and yeah look i i was never too far away from home i'd go away for you know six to six to eight weeks at a time but Mm. that was kind of enough um and this is before i had kids obviously so um but i home was you know definitely i come from a very big family and and um i've got a you know strong community there up on the tweed and i just i just yearned to be home but i I love being away and I, i had an inkling at the time that it was important to go and experience these cultures but i also um, I I just yeah always need to get back home and sort of um yeah keep creating, but then also just being connected to to home mm. and my family yeah. And so you so you did eventually. And I mean, look, just on, on a side note, I I always kind of laugh when people say, "Hey, you should go visit that place. It's got really nice beaches." And you go, "I'm from Australia. Mm. Like mm. we got the best beaches in the world. Like you know, <laughs> like yeah." <laughs> Yeah, I know. We 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 are very lucky, especially up on the Tweed Coast. It's white sand beaches, you know, mm-hmm. clear clear bottom, green turquoise kind of bluey water, and it's just we've got the creeks, we've got the rivers, we've got the mountains, but then we've got the ocean as well. So mm-hmm. um, we are spoiled, but it makes you appreciate when you travel, give you that yeah. perspective to understand how you know to you know to be thankful for 
where you live. You know, everyone's got somewhere special where they mm. where they come from, and I, I love living up on the Tweed Coast in New South mm. Wales. So you, you surfed the world, you toured the world in your band, you earned multiple pesos, and then you came back to Australia <laughs> and your mother went, um, it's time to grow up and entertain children. Um, so yeah. so, what, so what, what did you what did you do? How was the first sort of, what kind of, what was the first time for you getting out there in front of children and doing um, that? Yeah, so I, I had a few opportunities in that, 10-year period of surfing and playing music in the band to go into school, some of my cousins' schools, and play a bit of ditch for them and do some little interactive pieces that were only like 10, 15 minutes and and almost like their, um, their school projects. And my cousin would ring me up or my uncle would say, come in here, come into me, you know, your, nef- your, your, your cousin's school and play them a bit of ditch. I say, okay, mm-hmm. uncle, I'll come in and do that. And I actually really liked it. And it was familiar because of being around schools with my parents. And then fast forward to to my first show it was actually at my dad's school. He allowed, he allowed, that's the key word. He allowed me to come in and do the show with the kids and they were respectful and, and great. And that was about a half an hour show. And, um, but then, yeah, went to my, then my primary school. So I had a, you know, a good connection yeah. network of, of teachers that, that would allow me to come in. And then I just, I really stuck at it, Benny. I, I went mm. from, you know, the first couple of years of doing, let's say per month, I would do, five shows a month um, and then getting up to, you know, the eight-year mark, I was in excess of <laughs> 35 shows a month. Yeah, right. Um, and then I had kids and then, you know, I, I, I sort of trimmed it back to quality over quantity. But there was a period there I was – I just I just knew with young audiences it was just that repetition and just getting in there and actually understanding my audience and 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 – it was yeah. I'd showcase the didgeridoo, play those songs, show them how they work together, give a bit of cultural context of where we are. If I was on country, I could talk about home. But if I was travelling away, which I have over the last sort of eight years, it's it was um, just learning about those places and asking mm. those kids what what's special about being on country from them, whether they were indigenous or not. You know, so it was um, just always about storytelling and and, and expression, but. Uh, I mixed humour in there. I'm a big fan of comedy and uh, mm. and stand up, and so I, I, I was try- I really worked hard to understand and and just develop a, a deep toolbox because you got you need that with kids. I hear a lot of artists on your on your show talking about that. Like no one audience is the same. So. Time you go to the wildlife park, have a listen to the emu when she walks around. She got the big long neck and in a bigger long neck, she got a little air pocket. And every time she goes down to get something to eat. She make the sound, she make the sound, oh. Boom, 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 can you make the sound? Boom, 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 can you make the sound? Boom, 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 can you make the sound of an emu? How much of your show, and I guess particularly now that you've been doing it for so long, I mean, how much of yeah. your show is like 90% how you imagine it will be and how, or, or how much of it is just, okay, I've got, I've got a bag of things that I kind of want to hit, I've got some points I want to make, what have you got? Throw 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 your ideas at me, kids, and let's just meander through this and and, and get through stuff. Like yeah, because yeah, you've got to be pretty flexible, right? You've got to be prepared for for anything when you're doing it with when you're playing for children. Yeah, whether you're working in a remote community or an affluent you know city area around Australia, you've got to um, you've really got to. I always say it, it might be a bit short for, for people to go, okay, maybe you need longer, but I, I, I sort of know within 30 seconds to a minute where, where we're at. And, yeah. and, and for me, um, if I'm in an area where the kids are, you know, a little bit more um, sprightly and they want to be jumping around, I know there's going to be more music involved. Mm. Um, if they're, they're an audience, because I work right up to grade six and grade seven, um, it's um, with those older age groups, it's not so much the song, it's almost like storytelling, but mm. there's, almost like a beat of, you know, every 10 to 20 seconds. There's a little joke in there, but it's enough to to hold them, to hook them into that next section. So for me, it's um, it's just finding that balancing act. And I think I really learned that during that period where I was north of, uh, you know, 280 shows a year and and I was really worked hard at sort of understanding. But I actually loved it, Benny, too. A lot of people mm. say, oh, it's a lot of work. I say, yeah, but I love what I do. I've had other jobs and mm. I know what I don't want to do. So, mm. um. For me, I got to see the countryside, and but with kids, yeah, just with the younger ones under five. When I do the kindies, and I've been doing them for you know ten plus years, it's it's really more song, more dance, more interactivity. I'm almost the host, and the kids come up and perform. So 
it, that's very important for me. And when I play a song, I usually they're no longer than 45 seconds to a minute and a half. And I might yeah, play 15 right. songs in one show. I might play, I never play at the kids either. Like I'll, I'll play a song, but I will stop and start. And, and because the kids will want to tell me something and then, but it's just picking your moments. There'll be occasions where I will, will play a whole song and, go for whatever but i've got a stomp box so it's almost like a, that mm. automatic drum beat that mm. can hook them straight back in and play I have the didgeridoo on a stand and myself playing the guitar and all three things at the same time it's uh it's, it's a nice little way to grab their attentions because it's not something they hear every day yeah do you get do you, because yeah, i was watching i was watching particularly the the the, the things that i saw on on abc and and then some mm. of the other videos of schools and things that you've done and mm. and you really um you're you're quite towards the end. You're quite breathless, and I don't mean breathless as in unfit. I mean breathless like you you give yourself. You really give yourself to to the to the audience, like you know you, like, and I mean quite emotionally, like, and I think that comes from when you're just sharing stuff that that is important to you. Um, do you do you get much back from the or like I mean because because the, the, when you say you do north of two hundred shows a, a year, to me. Well, I guess to most people, like you're saying, you'd sort of go, that is a lot of work because you're giving so much of yourself to smaller audiences. Like even though it might only be 45 minutes, like it's it's a lot. You, you are giving a lot to those audiences. Um, so even though it's only like an hour a day, it, it takes a good week and a half to get over that hour. So, you know, um, yeah. what do you, what do you, what do you look for in an audience that kind of helps you sustain that? Or is it, or is it just, is it just purely seeing them enjoy it or is it, do you just get so much joy from going, I nailed that one. I picked the crowd and I got them and I nailed it. And they were all walked away with something in their back pocket. Oh, a bit of, bit of everything there. I mean, it's great to have a great show and get a, an awesome response, but I'll give you an example. Earlier this year, I did the Morton Bay Kids Festival north of Brisbane there. Amazing crowd. They sold out each day, you know, thousands of people there. I, I did a show in between, I think it was JJ from Cocomelon. And I remember <laughs> going on. So I had a great captive audience, um, you know, it's probably 800 plus, maybe a thousand in the wow. audience. And I had an awesome show, 40 minutes, um, I mean, my wedge, my wedge uh, could have been a bit louder, my fallback, uh, <laughs> but that's a whole other thing. You remember those things be. as a musician. You always remember those little things like, oh, I wish they could, that could have been up a bit more. But I had a great audience. But the next day I was at a preschool with 26 kids down mm. where I come from. And I treat every show, um, I try to aim to always give 100%. It's, mm. it, and, I, and I find that it's those dynamics and that feedback where those kids are laughing and and the cool thing is having stuff up on ABC Kids now. It's it's there's a familiarity where I can go, you know, in a, in a suburb in Melbourne, or I can go over to Western mm. Australia where kids will go. Oh, can you please play that song? So that's kind of nice. But um, for me, it's yeah. It, oh, I just know no other ways just to go out there and mm. give a hundred percent. And and it's just something I've just been raised on is always put my best foot forward. And and um, yeah, I've had manual labour jobs. I've had jobs where um, I. I know what I, like I said, know yeah, what I want yeah. to be doing and what I don't want to be doing. And when when we say an hour a day, I, I take all my gear where I travel. Mm. I take my own mic, I take my speaker, I take my sound desk, and it's all in a really tight sort of four-piece setup. But um, I, I, I just love the craft of being able to mm. run a show and control it. And if kids are paying to come and watch me play and, and I'm doing two shows at their school, um, I need everything to be sort of ready to go because um, – some artists might relate this, but I, I find when you go to schools, not always the sound system is probably the last thing that's um, ever thought about. And yeah, you know, absolutely. I went to, a, I've been to a couple of schools that the sound system has been on for six months, and no one knows how to turn it off. So I know. <laughs> so for me, it's like let's let's just turn it down. That's, that's um, so I'm, great! <laughs> what, what a great great idea. That's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> so when I hear that, I'm like, yeah, that's that's my um, that's my thing. I I, I, I don't like to hear. I just want to be able to run it the way and be in and out and yeah ruby the frog was leaping through the farm but all the animals wanted to stop and yarn along came a sheep who said bye hello but ruby told the sheep she had to go i wonder where she's going i wonder where she's going i wonder i wonder i wonder where she's going hey! 
in the sense like your performances as well as like you know for example if you do go to a daycare center i i, I imagine you kind of turn up well before you're ready to play or well before you're due to start 45 minutes you sort of you're kind of just <laughs> hanging about hanging out with everyone like do you know what i mean like i feel I've done some shows in daycares where you walk in and and yeah. I've had to and and I learned this early on and I had to stipulate to, to the to pair, uh, the teachers when I came saying look don't don't get all the kids outside and shut all the curtains and have me set up and then bring them all in just leave them in the room I'm an educator I know how to keep them safe while I'm setting things up but I don't I don't want them all to just walk into this thing I want them to once I arrive and walk in with my instruments, that first sort of 45 setting, 45 minutes of setting up is, is, is really for me personally, is the best time to get all those relationships established. You get the sure, guitar yeah. out, kids come and sit with you and they strum it and you're going, yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. And this is the microphone, say one, two, ha, and everyone, and everyone, you know, you've, that's your relationship. So when you hit the first song, you've already got 30 kids all sitting there staring completely ready to be part of the situation. I mean, is that, is that kind of a bit of a method that you like to, because you strike me as someone who wants to spend time with the kids, whether you're singing the songs or not. Mate, you're hundred percent correct. Um, look, I've trimmed it down to 30 minutes. Now I can get in there and slide in, but 45, 30. It, yeah. It's you're right. I, I always say leave the curtains open. They're always peering in. They're all like little detectives. They want to ask you a question. They want to tell you about their their friend's dog who bit the cat who, you know, and it's got, you know, but that's 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 content too. That, you almost got to be a sponge because they want to tell you everything. You're about to do a show for them. And mm. um, most, and it's also a little bit of familiarity. You're like some kids, if you're coming into their space and you're doing a show, sometimes that can be a bit overpowering for kids. So yeah. they need to feel like it's comfortable. You can't just assume that little Johnny or little Cindy's just ready to go and, you know, jump jump the stage. It's, yeah. There's a lot of kids there that are a little bit tentative and they'll mm. sit with the teachers. And But usually by the end of it, um, a good show is when those tentative kids are at the front and they're, mm. they're sort of, um, they're included. And I usually, because I choose the kids to come up with me and dance and, and perform, um, I usually try to pick the kids that probably wouldn't get chosen all the time. And, yeah. and some of the great feedback of a, of a good show is when a teacher said, I've never seen that, um, that type of emotion evoked from that, that little child, kid. And, yeah. 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 And it's a way that's when we talk about doing those shows. Usually that happens when you're in an intimate setting of only 20 kids, you know, but mm. then the next day you might be, you know, at a Western Sydney school and I might be in front of 700 kids, you know mm. what I mean? So you don't get that, uh, that intimate intimacy as much, but those little ones, um, they just cannot wait to tell you. And they're actually really excited to watch you set everything up. It's like Lego, mm. but with your, your equipment. Um, mm. They do try to mm. untune your guitar, which they, they work <laughs> that out pretty quickly. <laughs> they do. So I keep everything true. quite high, and I always joke around that I need security guards because they yeah. – or chicken wire, I'll put some chicken wire or something like that. But it's, um, the teachers are onto it, but I think it's important. It's after the show too. Sometimes the guard's down, and they'll just – they'll create yeah. like, sing you their song. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's not about preference, but but do you, do you prefer that kind of intimate setting over the bigger schools? Because I mean, like like I, I because I come from a teaching perspective, and and I and it's it's actually taking me a, a surprisingly long time to realise that if I'm on a stage in front of a lot of people, I really have to adjust what I'm doing. I have to change it completely, and you know from the point where now I just have a full band, I go out there. It's just about me running backwards and forwards and going, woo, and just kind of <laughs> creating chaos and, and that sort of, whereas the intimate show is me, the guitar, I've tried to have other people in, but like you mentioned, it's a lot of stop and starting. A song might go for 25 minutes if everyone's having a turn. <laughs> yeah. or it might go for 30 seconds if no one cares. They're, they're very different audiences. I mean, do you... I guess you've just got all the tricks, right? You know, you know what to um, do. On... I, I will say, yeah, the primary schools are always a big show. So a primary school is anywhere between four to 500 kids per session. Um, and there's a different energy to that, but I have a format that, that works for that. And I can just pull from that toolbox I was talking about before of, mm. of, of tricks. Um I, I do like the kindy ones, the, you know, the young preschools and kindy ones, 
I probably prefer them at the moment. I guess because I've got a, a three-year-old and a seven-year-old at the moment. I'm kind of in that zone. Yeah. And this, this new show that we've got coming up is in that zone. So the last 18 months, I have shot a have more preference to that. But they they are never really more than 70 to 80 kids in a room. Yep. Um, and that's probably tops. Um, but it's definitely a different energy. And if they are coming in under three, mm. um, then there's – hard age group, man, yeah. Yeah, well, they sit up the back, and I kind of um, ask the oldest ones to be at the front, and the little little ones sit on the chairs, and then um, yeah, even then you get those ones they get <laughs> wheeled in in their little cots, holding on like they're in jail, and they're looking through the railings at you, and they're bopping along, but they've got a you know they've got a tight fifteen minutes in them, and then your your old news. Um, it's so true. <laughs> and so I always say keep them at, keep them up the back, and 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 yeah, so they can leave. I haven't them. had an issue with it. There's been a few teachers sometimes like, oh, they won't be able. To see that's why i get them on on chairs and or mm. with them because they will they've they've only those three-year-olds have usually only got about a, a good 30 seconds uh, 30 minutes mm-hmm. in them and but what i find is if you put the older ones at the front it's like almost watching the older ones oh it's safe oh they're having fun they yeah. will then come in and and yeah. and i always say because that first couple of minutes can actually be over overpowering if they've never heard a didgeridoo played live before mm. or they haven't heard a stomp box or me because i'm quite mm. vocal and 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 you know, uh, like to pronounce my, <laughs> my words and my voice, but it's kind of that can be a bit overpowering for those young ones. So I always try to set the set the room up and let the teachers know well in advance in that forty five minutes mm. we talked about, mm. and that way then we can run a show pretty much in a in a in a nice fun format. But if you put those little ones in front, you're going to get three of them. They're going to stand up and cry, mm. and it actually wrecks the it it mm. kind of breaks the. The, I guess the interaction between myself and the, the they kids, become though. the focus. They become everyone's focus. Teachers, the other children, everyone starts looking at that child. No, totally. Auntie May from Pelican Bay, someone stole her mango tree. Auntie May from Pelican Bay, someone stole her mango tree. Who's gonna help her? Who's gonna help her? Who's gonna help her? Big old pelican. Big old pelican. Big old pelican. One thing you're saying there, which I it's I haven't really thought about it till you brought it up, is is I don't think people often really understand what a massive difference between concentration and 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 I guess just involvement there is in that naught to five range. Because I I remember one daycare centre I worked at, we used to get bands in, we get the local jazz band and things like this, and. We had this jazz band in once and they were playing and at the end of it, they said, um, I went up and I went, oh, it was amazing. Like kids loved it. And they went, oh, no one sat down. They were all, the kids were all just running off and playing. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But that's what, that's what they, that's like, you got to know that this age group, that is what they do. They, the fact that they are playing still within earshot and around where you are, that's, that's their way of engaging. And if you don't, I think you can, like everything you just said about knowing the younger audience, I mean, you've really, you've really got to have that knowledge, don't you? You sort of need to know, otherwise you find yourself, I guess, trying to elevate and get bigger and bigger and bigger thinking that if I'm louder and I don't know, like it's, it's quite astute. I, I just don't know. I haven't really heard many people really articulate it like, or, or show that kind of understanding. Is Is that your instincts or is that also just a little bit of learning from your parents and stuff like that? Uh, a bit of both, Benny. Um, it's it, but it's instincts too, and it's also trial and error. It's just going out there and understanding that, you know, the first five years I was doing, you know, some festivals or I go play at a market where they had the kids section, and they, it, they're not there really. They're there for the markets. You're kind of there, and to hook them in, I always found as soon as you involve them, they want to be part of the show and you host it. That's kind of the hook to get them in, and then they want to be a part. I let them play my instruments. I let them play the, the stomp box because all it is is hitting. You know, some of them try to incredible Hulk and stomp it through the centre of the earth. They they think they get <laughs> But there's a joke within in that as well. Yeah. You know, I need that for the next show. And they and I used to do the didgeridoo part where I have didgeridoos obviously cleaned every day, but it was um, they'd never play mine, even though some sometimes they try to, but I'd always – Get them involved, playing the clapsticks, playing playing the boomerangs, playing my instruments, and that hooks them in. And if I've got them for twenty minutes, then I can I can run run my show. But I know that um, from experience now. Like I don't do them anymore, but I just know when I go to schools, I've been quite spoiled in a way where 
I have a captive audience because I have, you know, six teachers on either side keeping those kids locked in. And and I think the other thing is too, it's um, I, I just think that it's the interactivity that um, I, I find is my way of being able to hang and keep them involved. Um, mm. I've had a few friends that I've went and played similar to what you were explaining, like they'll play music for the kids, but like it's, it's not them being rude, but they're, don't know that don't care that's a bad word about the deep meaningful lyrics they're very they just they kind of want to be entertained the parents will it's it's always nice for mm. the parents I think. but i think i think it's getting them involved because they're almost like you know entertainment and they're very honest like i've heard a lot of your artists come on in the past and they're very honest they they will mm. they will they will basically mm. tell you they what's going honest. on yeah yeah there's a really beautiful quote from um, one of my first podcasts from a, a couple, Gary and Carol Crees, who sort of did yeah. children's centres for years, and they were really big on um, world music and things. And they they did some amazing stuff. And I remember Carol said, um, children just want to be invited in. And I think that's the biggest thing people misunderstand. And I also think sometimes it can be a bit of an issue with, with teachers themselves. If you end up almost like running a group time rather than a performance session, you know, people might be like, well, what do the kids get? And you go, well, they actually probably got more out of that than they would have ever got from sitting in a chair and watching someone. I don't know. Like it's, it's a fine line. I look, well, look, I'm sold. I think it's great. Let's actually talk music now. Cause that's kind yeah. of, you know, that's the thing <laughs> I'd love to know about. So we, so we, we're sort of moving into your a couple of things. You're about to do some releases. We have a, you've already got the release out at the moment. Let's talk about, so the, the big thing that seems to be, going on in your world now is Proudfoot and Friends, yeah? Yes. Is that yes. kind of and, – and so what what are we what are we allowed to know about Proudfoot and Friends? Oh, no, you... no, you can know. Because <laughs> so I get the sense it, start, it's, it is a, a, essentially a stage show first. Yeah, it's theatre. So Proudfoot and Friends, it's uh, – you've got a theatre show where there's an animation series that we're working on simultaneously. Is that the right word? Did I say that right? Yeah, um, sure. And, <laughs> um, we've got the album that's, you know, or the EP and the songs that are going to be released. There's 11 songs attached to this uh, to this stage show. Um, we've got a book series that's kind of um, sort of partly been written and, and a lot of it is following the song lyrics, so a lot of rhythm mm. and rhyme. And then um, um, there's a game series too that we're, we're developing as well because the people that we got involved are, wow. um, are, are production um, sort of teams that have worked in VR, AR, um, animation, purely animation. Um, wow. And it's then a big, there's a big whole project, right? It's a big project, but we've got a team of, of um, I think, five or six people that are just, you know, been, been in and involved in, in some capacity for the last couple of years. So it's not something that's just happened overnight, Benny. It's kind of been a plan. And, and, the, and the, the, the irony or the weird thing about what happened with COVID was without bringing the, that word up is kind of, it was a forced pause and it gave me time mm-hmm. to focus, you know, lost like, like a lot of other creatives, I lost, you know, 95% of work. So mm-hmm. I spent a yeah. good couple of years of really um, sinking my teeth into the creative world of what Proudfoot and Friends is now. It's, and it's an offering for seven and under, and it's um, allowed me to shape a lot of the material that I have been playing live um, into more of a, you know, a format that is paddleable for, for theatre and we're stepping into the theatre space. Yeah. Because the first thing about the music, that there's a couple of things about the music. Um, I was listening to Jingy Walla. Hello, how are you today? Hello, hello, Jingy Walla. Hello, how are you today? I hope you're feeling well. Throw your hands to the sky. Waving at the people passing by. Hello, how are you doing? Which, which kind of, it's like that's just kind of something else, that song. I don't know. I don't know. It's my favourite song. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why, but I kind of just, I really just disappeared a bit. <laughs> I just kind of, and I was with my daughter and we were listening to it in the car and we just, we just had this moment where we both just went, Silent, yeah. <laughs> and then it finished, and we both just kind of went, "Oh, God, that sounds really lovely, wasn't it?" <laughs> we sort of just found ourselves in it. But the, but the thing about it is, it, is it raises this big thing about all the music that that you know I've been privileged enough to to listen to. Is this is, is you do have a lot of repeated lyrics. It's like yes. you'll have a verse and you repeat that verse, and you've touched on this a little bit earlier, which I'm grateful for because 
ordinarily it's probably easy to pass that off as just like, oh yeah, you just repeat, 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 repeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's something this this to me, the the, the repetition and, and it exists through all your songs, it just feels like it comes from a much more considered place. And particularly a lot of with your work with the ILF and stuff like that. Yeah. Like how how considered is this idea of you going, you know, no, 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 this isn't just about <laughs> laziness there is an intention for this repetitive nature of these lyrics is am, am i on the right path here or am i yeah you are and look it's um i i must admit i was hesitant probably let's say 8 years ago if you asked me that question i was hesitant to be um to simplify my music i was lyrically always thought you know you need x amount of lyrics and each verse has to be completely different but fine on the theme but i i one thing I, I had to train myself to do or just by habit of getting out there performing live is not to be scared of simplicity. Um, mm. And I'm not scared of simplicity. And, and I find when I'm working with the kids, I want those kids to sing along. Um, and if I have, this is personally for myself, if I have big long lines of lyrics and all that, I find the kids find it hard to follow personally when I'm playing yeah. live. So yeah. A lot of the the this release and these songs have been informed from purely performing live with kids, or you know, a lot of times, and and so that's that, that inspiration of the way I've written those tracks and the way we've, we've recorded them is just having a hook, but that hook sitting there pretty much from start to finish with a with nice subtleties of the you know instrumentation choices we've used in the background with working with the different producers, but it's like I I. I I'm hyper aware that the lyrics are repetitive, but I'm also very comfortable with that creatively now as an artist. Yeah, and and look, and 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 I certainly, and I asked the question only because I was struck by how how well it worked. Like I think that's the thing. My my, it wasn't until, you know, I got to Jingy Walla that I kind of went, oh, hang on, yeah, there's this, there's this repetitive thing going on, but it doesn't. It really does not sound. It sounds quite. I don't know how to say this, but it's almost like a very intellectual repetitiveness you know what i mean like it's well, it's thought about yeah. you've you've considered that there is a very and and then when i sort of looked at you obviously with the uh indigenous literacy foundation that you do stuff with as well like i just went oh maybe that this it's important to you this like i couldn't imagine this wouldn't be important to you so there must be some fairly strict method behind the whole yeah so um yeah, so ALNF, ALNF is oh, the uh, group, yeah, Australian sorry, Literacy sorry. and Numeracy Foundation, but I love ILF too. <laughs> My good friend Josh Pike, actually, he, 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 he works with them. Um, but, um, yeah, look, I think that the Hello song, it's funny, it, it's actually my favourite song as well, but I, I, one thing, I, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts because I travel a lot, I, you know, I read a lot of or listen to a lot of audio books. I'm, I'm more auditory, so I find my way of, mm. you know, retaining information is usually from vocal and voice. Um, but I, just the, the the act of being kind to people, saying hello, how simple that can be to, mm. to just break the ice. And because I'm meeting centre directors in kindies nationwide all year round, it's it's something that you know you you do day in and day out. You have these interactions with these people, and it's I, I say me and my brother talk about it a lot. Actually, it's just people who've got their head down. I always say hello, and mm. you know almost try to try to evoke, you know, just to be nice, you know, and, and Jingi Walla, where I come from, which is like Bundjalung country is up around the Tweed coast there, um, Midjabal and Gujumbara country. It's like, that's, that's the way we say hello, welcome. Mm. And, and I, I put that little tag on there, but I'm hyper aware too, when I travel, like it also opens the question up, what's hello in your, on the country you're standing on today, you know? Yeah. So I do have ideas of how we can, that song can be out for different artists to use and they can they can say their word from their area. Yeah, beautiful. And well, it's also, I mean, I think the other thing about the simplicity in some of the stuff that you use and say is 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 it's really like the the if you if you have a really powerful line, something that really holds a lot of like hello, like you're saying hello, you don't if you don't if you actually stop and think about a greeting and saying hello to someone. Yeah. It's actually it's an enormously powerful gesture word all those things what else yeah. do you need to say <laughs> you know? yeah. i mean that's it it's like and to, to me it's like it's conversation and we'll talk in prior to to this it's like you know just talking to people and connecting with people it's, it's very important i always say in my shows 
music, story and culture. It's about sharing and connecting. And, and a great way to start any conversation is a greeting of saying hello. Mm. Hello. My name's Proudfoot. Longfoot. Shortfoot. Footfoot. Ha ha. Very funny, young fella. Um, I got one more for you. Okay. What is it then? Chubby foot. <laughs> Everyone, say hello to Ned and his good friend Sis. Hello. Ned and Sis are from Pelican Bay. They always have a song of the day. What do you want to sing? So you, you did mention this before. This album is really beautifully produced. It's it's very um it's very percussive. It's a very mm. percussive album, and I'm assuming that's probably just because of the way you write. You're probably so used to a guitar and a stomp box and that kind of <laughs> stuff. Is that kind of how it happens? And then you gave it to someone, and they immediately went, "Oh, it's really percussive," and went with that. But it's a really it is a very percussive. It's very percussive music, like very. Um, Stomp's not a fair word, but like it's it's a very yeah, it's percussive. There you go. That's well, the word. Well, the, the drums are universal beat. You know, mm. all our all our ancestors. You know, whether it was around a fire or you hear that drum, it's it's the start of a, you know, it's it's the start of storytelling, isn't it? Like that mm. that drum beat. It's it's instinctual in all of us. Um, but the, with the with a nice simple beat, um, you can then really lay you know some really cool foundations over the top of that mm. and. But this, uh, coming back to simplicity, you know, my, my daughters will talk lyrically if we just back on that. It's, it's my daughters really love, I think it's Eiffel 65, I'm Blue. You know, if you look at the lyrics, there's not too many lyrics going on. It's very repetitive, but they are, that song was released, what, 25, maybe 20 mm. years ago, whatever it was. That still hits them. You know what I mean? It's like, it, and so there's something about that repetitive lyric that and that drum beat that sort of allows for that. And the dig when I play dig or yidaki on top of that, it's kind of um, the simplicity of just that. They both work well together. They both complement each other. And then if I um, manage to play the right chord, <laughs> then I can tie in. So it's, um, but my, a lot of, a lot of the songs with, with my dig that I play with live, they're in the key of D. So. Yeah, um, right. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but in this album, when I worked with Garrett Cato, who was the producer, who's an amazing artist and producer in his own right and works with a lot of great artists. He, he had two young daughters and I remember jumping in the studio with him for the time that we spent recording this. And I said, we just, you know, we strip it back and let's make it, keep it simple. And then we can build on it if it, if it needs it. Mm. Cause I'm not scared to add stuff to it. And, mm. and, and I just said, let's, let's just try to make the best outcome for this, for this song and, and not be, um, not have any barriers of it should sound this way. Oh, I want it this and it has to be this because I think that's the, that's the beauty of being in a studio with other creatives is to try to be open minded as possible, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, was it, was it, was it, I mean, was it, it must have been quite exciting for you to take these things that you are so traditionally doing <laughs> so sit like with just guitar, stompbox and a dig and, and that kind of, and I guess the stopping and starting, responding to the crowd and that, and the audience and that kind of thing. I mean, it must have felt amazing to be able to sit down and go, oh, let's add this. And like, it would have been quite freeing and, and fun to do that. Yeah, that, that's the, the those last two words, freeing and fun, refreshing um, for me just to, um, hear the songs and actually share them with with a creative or a producer that can you know enhance the sound and I think we achieve that and and you know I work with two producers on on this on the songs um, the second guy I work with is Ryan Clappenmore, aka Dobby who's a hip hop artist lyricist amazing First Nations um, uh, artist and he, he based in Sydney and so I worked the last three songs with him and then but with Garrett he was just in ocean shores, just literally, mm. you know, 45 minutes from where I am up here on the coast now. And it was just a natural fit, but it was just, it was freeing. It was freeing. Benny, it was just nice to get in there. And, and this is, these are the, some of these songs I've been playing, which is the next song that's going to be released, which is the kangaroo song again, simplicity, the kangaroo song, mm. um, because that's the way the kids say it, play the kangaroo yeah, song. So yeah, I thought I'll keep yeah. it simple. I'm not scared, scared to make it any, anything yeah. more, but um, cool. it, those songs have been played for, I've I've had I've had twelve to fifteen hundred times these songs have been played, so mm. it's it's nice to get in there and let it let it grow. Yeah, seemed completely different. Um, uh, was it was it? I mean, you sort of already answered this, but I mean, was it 
I guess so then it wasn't really hard to, and and this also goes to the, like, let's talk about the show for a tick. I mean, you're talking about the animation and which we'll get to in a minute and all that sort of this, this big thing that's going on around Proudfoot yeah. and friends. Like, is, is it easy for you to kind of be able to step back and give people so much control over what essentially is, is you in a well, way? Well, I can say this, there's 24 scenes in this show at the moment. And it's a beautiful story of a little girl that's moving to this saltwater country and and of Pelican Bay. She meets this wonderful cast of magical characters um, and she meets this little follow Ned, who's this little Indigenous follower that's grown up in Pelican Bay. But they're under the watchful eye of Arnie May, who's a wise, respected elder. But the cool thing about this whole story world is is that there's music sort of interstitial all the whole way through when she meets the different characters, these there's songs for each of those characters, Bumpity Moo, Emu, which is the Emu song that's out now, Hoppity Woo Kangaroo, Big Gulp Pelican. Every time she meets all these different characters, there's a little song that comes in there. Mm. And and I and I find having everything sort of coming into this one production, there's a few other characters there as well, but I could leave some surprises there. But I'm <laughs> on stage pretty much 16 out of the 24 scenes. Um, if not 17. So I am in there the whole right. time, but it, there's the freeing parts of where I'm looking at those and I go, oh, I'm not on stage for these, this part. I'm not on stage mm. for that part. The animation's coming on, the dialogue's coming on, the kids are being sort of, it's that mix of that world of sort of real life performance, but then also that, that digital mm. animation side, which is also part of their world now, part of learning. And, mm. and so I, I'm loving that because normally when I'm performing live, I'm on stage for 45 minutes to an hour the whole time yep. running the whole thing. So there's a little bit of breathing room, but um, what's interesting, this is, is, <laughs> is me then now coming into a structure that. Um, yeah. You know, I was about to ask. As, yeah. And, and yeah. then that, and that's the challenge, but you know, with a challenge, I can challenge myself to grow as an artist and mm. to not have everything, you know, I can control everything. Now it's um, working with a great team who understands theater. I'm really excited now to, challenge myself in that space but we've tried to keep it as close to the spontaneity spontaneity and ad lib as possible because that's kind of what's got me to where i am now yeah, and i don't yeah, want to lose sure. that i don't want to lose that but i mean yeah no absolutely but yeah theaters of different different monster right i mean you've got cues you've got lighting you've got places to you this is where you need to stand these are like it's a very different world to what you're used to and i, I imagine it's probably pretty nice to have a bit of structure and just go no, no, you don't have to think too much about this bit. Just be there and say these lines and sing those songs. Yeah. Whereas when it's a free-for-all, you really, your brain's just constantly going, where are the, where are the, where's the audience at? What am I doing? <laughs> where am I doing next? How am I going to get that child's missing out? I've got to get them in. You know, whereas this is a bit you can just kind of go, hey, man, well, these are the these are the rules. <laughs> these are the script. I've got to do this. <laughs> I, I've tried to, you know, I've spoken with different people who have, you know, big experience in, in theatre and, and um even speaking to some dramaturgs over the last sort of eight, 18 months, it's I, the parts that are going to be challenging for me is the pre-records and singing over, you know, singing yes. to a backing track. I've never had yeah. that. I'd rather live. Yeah. Whereas my theatre friends are the other way around playing live to them would be almost, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, playing instrumentation live is almost a challenge as well. Whereas I feel that's where I'm at home. If I've mm. got my stomp box, my guitar and something as simple as that in my dig, I, that's natural for me. Um, but in saying that, the songs that we've chosen are, you know, being carefully considered of why we're choosing them to be pre-records. And mm. and it almost allows me um, to, you know, to hype the songs and still be involved with the audience. And, yeah, I'll have a hot mic the whole time. Yeah. Fishing with Uncle is so much fun. <laughs> we throw the nets, trap and jalam. And birds are flying high. songs like i'm particularly thinking of ruby the frog not the ballad um the other the other one like you know i think there's something um you know i think it pre-records really good for a song like that because there's a really great light like there's that really great kind of baseline happening and 
I mean, there are songs in there that you can do with a guitar, absolutely. But there's also some songs that you just, I think the other one is, um, I don't know how much of these, like Fishing With My Uncle. Um, that's a pre-record. That's a pre-record. Bill and Charlie's song, would that be a pre-record uh, as well? or is that? Yeah, and I'm like... not on the scene for that one, but uh, yeah. it's, it's, it follows the narrative of the overarching story is that, mm. Um, we've we've just chosen um, the, we basically just tried to make the story the strongest the story yeah. and the music to be the front runners of why you know why are they in there without me singing it and I, and I love that I love not having to to you know to be on that to drive that the whole time because we you know whilst it's still myself recording it writing it and 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 doing all the yeah. other stuff it's kind of like it's sometimes it's nice visually just to let the song be the song with the characters mm. that we've created totally. you know it's not. And and Kramer for wrong is Bill and Charlie. Is that the is that the one that starts with the driving around and the stolen Harley? Yes. Yes. They are the devious little rascals that hang around on the outskirts Brilliant. of town. I was just listening to yeah. it going, they just like <laughs> they literally drive around in a stolen. Amazing. Like just why why does that work so well? It was just it was great. Great opener. Yeah. It was just set the tone. But then that's a that's a song that you need. I think you need all the pre-record in there. Like, I mean, that's that's a big love. Like that's a great song it's got a great groove yeah and i don't think you want to lose that you know what i mean like it's not to say that you wouldn't do it justice on your own with a guitar but it it it's it's character driven right it's it's your your character driven you it's other people and they've got to have their own life and breathe so is is that that was one of my questions as well is that it was that a tricky is is it nice to write for somebody else's voice nice so nice it's those characters i i'm always creating a story well i'm always thinking about that character's voices and bill and charlie's a well kato bill and fruit bat charlie and i actually co-wrote that um with um sally seltman and 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 down at down at um in sydney there and at the uh, sony publishing there and it was amazing because the songs itself we it was more of an arrangement thing where i, I had it a certain way but i had that almost originally it was like kato bill almost that feel but it was almost a saloon feel that's why i wanted a little bit of keys in there but when i recorded it um professionally with with dobby um it was like he did the instrumentation in that and it was just it just kind of made sound i wanted that saloon kind of they're just busting mm. in saloon a bit of piano not following a sort of um thing there but i wanted to feed into their their, their character bruce so you know, yeah it's nice that you picked up on that benny it's, it's, it's awesome yeah, oh, I, I loved it. I mean, I really, I mean, yeah, it was, anyway, look, I mean, we, we are clearly by now everyone knows how I feel about the music, so I, I, don't, I don't need to spend <laughs> any more of this podcast going good. on about how I feel about it. <laughs> Came to Bill and Fruit by Charlie Cruising round town on a stolen Harley Oh no, where did they go? Just quickly, I want to talk the ABC thing. So how did how did that come about? Because it was I assume that was a pretty big boost to the career, or yeah. sort of, sort of not, or yeah. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah, oh, hundred percent. Well, you talked about not advertising. I still haven't advertised, but that's been a great um, uh, addition to to what I do. And that was back in twenty eighteen. I remember. I came into it, you know, with a good run of show, so I felt tight. But, um, yeah, they I asked um, the producers at the time to come down and check out a show, um, and I was close by, and I remember doing a show at one of the kindies in Leichhardt, I think it was, or Lilyfield, and mm. the, the producers come over and checked it out, and they said, look, have you got, wow. you know, four, four songs that tie in with the different themes for the Music and Me series? I said, yeah, I do, actually, and I played, I think, three of them in that live show, but I think they saw straight away the engagement with the kids. It was original music that they were dancing to. They weren't sort of... You know, I didn't go on there singing, you know, all the classics. It's just yep. original music, but it gets them involved. And I think it, you, you highlighted the point of um, the stomp box and that drum sound. It, that was kind of a, uh, I guess, an earthier kind of sound or a rawer sound that the kids responded to. And mm. I think them allowing me to do that on set, and I worked with the producer on that day with um, um, Sarah Dabro, and she was fantastic. And it was just and it was really important though that they those kids came in, um, the kids that are uh, at the kindy there in at the ABC studios there to come in because it was nice to do it in a natural setting with the kids live. But since then, mate, it's um, it's been out now for a few years and it's uh, 
it's it's really nice to to build that familiarity with the audience and they know some of the songs, which is great. Uh, oh, where was I? I had something really clever to say, but clearly <laughs> I've forgotten about it. Oh, yeah, so, so this whole thing, Pelican Bay, um, particularly Pelican Bay, because this is your, this is, I, from what I understand, it's kind of your first real stepping into, I'm going to yes. create a world and create this thing. Is a lot of this your childhood? I mean, it sounds like the kind of place yes. you grew up, basically. Yeah. I, I, I always say, write about things that you love. I love where mm. I come from. Um, it's a saltwater community, Pelican Bay. Um, it's a fictional seaside town, but it's you. It is. Oh, it um, sounds I'm very intimate to you. It sounds very. I mean, <laughs> well, mangoes. Mangoes, yeah. yeah, mangoes are so yeah. important to Pelican Bay, and I was like, going, "Hey, look, I get it. They're really yum. I mean, they're amazing." But you lean quite heavily in on mangoes. Yeah, I do because it's it's my nan had a a, a mango tree, and all our barbecues, all our family gatherings that happened pretty much every third day was always in around Nan's. <laughs> the mangoes were never too far away. And look, it's I always ask the kid who's who loves mangoes, and they pretty much. Everyone puts yeah. hands up, including the teachers. And so I've made a nice, you know, uh, Arnie May, who's the, the wise, respected elder in Pelican Bay in, in, in Proudfoot and Friends, she has this golden mango tree with these extra sweet golden mangoes that we call them magic mangoes that Fruit Bat Charlie and Cane to Bill are yeah. always trying Kate to steal. Nick, yeah. um, and so it's, but it's, you put in food, it's cultural. You put in something like a mango, it's universal. So I've always thought, you know, keeping the kids involved and using mango as, as one of the themes or one of the um, the hook points in, in the songs is um, totally. I've, I've found work quite well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The mango song, that's, um, is, is that the first, <laughs> is that the first song on the thing? Yeah. Auntie May, is, is it? Yeah. It's Auntie May and mangoes, isn't it? Is that the, yeah. yeah Auntie the May from yeah. Pelican, yeah. yeah. Auntie yeah. May from Pelican Bay, someone, yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, the there, was like, there, was just a, there was just like a, there was a lot of mangoes, and then I someone went, stole her mango tray. <laughs> and then I saw that beautiful animation that you you able to share yeah. with me of, yeah. of the introduction, and it really yeah. it hit me the the um the water right from the get go. I just kind of went, yeah. oh man, this is really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the magic mango. Yeah, and I just had that moment. I went, no, nah, this is this is way too intimate. Like this is this is his world, and he's sharing what you grew up with, and what you remember and stuff like that. And, um, and I think, I think that's also what's really beautiful about everything you do. And this is what's really beautiful about this particular stuff and the, and the, the music you've shared and, and the, and the, the small clip is um, I, I feel like I don't, I don't get the sense it's cathartic for you. I don't think there's anything that you've had to exercise out of your system and go, I need to discuss this, but I do feel you've really kind of, like I said before, the Carol Cruise line, you kids want to be invited in. And I feel like this is you opening up your world and kind of going, hey, come and see the world the way I've lived this world. And and there's something, and I think it just presents everything in a little bit of a different way. It kind of, it does come across with a real genuine, genuine warmth. It comes across with genuine friendship. It comes across with genuine um I don't know. You're excited. I feel like you're really excited for us to see the things that you've always seen. Yeah, I think it's it's also trying to evoke that uh, message of being proud of where you come from, mm. um, and that connection to country is not just it's not just an indigenous thing. It's a, a thing that everyone shares, and I think you know where being proud of where we come from is quite important. I like to share those things of where I come from, growing up in a saltwater community where everything revolves around the ocean, the tides, the the weather. Mm. Um, but also family being the centerpiece to that. And I think, um, you know, I, I talk a lot about in my shows, my, my uncles, my brothers, my cousins, and all these different things that these are things that are universal. It's just not, you know, you know, connected to, to culture, but it, mm. but in saying that it is culture. And it, mm. I think there's a lot of crossover that um, we can all share. And I, I tell a really nice story. It's quite an intimate story of growing up at my nan's place. And how we were always there, and we'd, we'd meet there on a Friday night, and I make it a little bit scary because the, it'd get really windy, and and the house would shake, and you know I'd be scared, but I'd try to be strong in front of my brother, and then I'd we go watch TV, and I joke around that Nan used to have to turn on the TV. The th kids don't understand. They're like, turn on. I say, look, literally turn on the TV. You mean the turn TV on? Like a, yeah. 
Yeah, and the TV wouldn't work, and then would weave her magic and hit the TV, and, yeah, and, and the TV the would aerial, work. Twist, twist the aerial, aerial like what? A little puff of smoke and a bit of flame and whatever. But it's it's talking about those little things that I experienced growing up in the eighties and nineties, and and but it's it is connected. But those those kids, you know, if they were lucky enough to have a grandparent, and mm. um, you know, they can they can connect to that. They can connect to that wacky uncle, that wacky auntie, or or that cousin who was a little bit random. So I, I like to tell that story but it, it's it's always i'm always talking about home talking about country and where i grew up and i think that's important but then i get kids coming up to me afterwards they're going oh we did this when we were young or i did that and they always say when i was young and i'm like yeah he's up there only like seven or eight <laughs> that was that was or, like yesterday know, afternoon wasn't it? <laughs> so it's just it's just trying to you know find common ground we're never too far away from mm. one another and i can tell that story in you know, in Margaret River, I could tell that story up in Cairns or mm. somewhere in Kununurra and still, you know, an evoke an emotion from or a connection with, with that audience. And sometimes I've had teachers come up with a tear in their eyes saying, I remember those simple times with just being with Nan or with the aunties mm. and I could smell the food and, you know, simple times, you know, no bills, no mortgage, nothing. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I'm, I love it. I think that, I think the music's Amazing. The animation looks beautiful. I think it's it's really great. And I'm really um I'm really grateful that you've been able to take the time to yeah, to chat with me today. And just as we wrap it up, when when can we how do we know? Are there any timelines on stuff? Yes. So big shout out for the animation just quickly is Blue yeah. Bandicoot, based yeah. at the at the foot of the hills of Blue of the Blue Mountains. But um September twenty eighth is our premiere. Thursday, September 28th, the last week of the school holidays, 29 and 30 at Hotter. Um, tickets are yep. on sale now if you're up in the region, and um, we're already starting to get bites for next year to tour this show. So we've got oh, some wow, amazing that have already yep. reached out. So yep. this is the this is the foundation. I'm really you know keen to get this one in the in the bag, and and mm. and um, we're just so excited to be able to start sharing the music. And I you know I really appreciate your time today and taking the interest in 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 what I do, mate, and and the thoughtful questions. And yeah, brother, I, I yeah stoked. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much, and. Um... Yeah, look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks, Benny. Go away. If you'd like to know more about Lucas and Pelican Bay, then head along to his website at lucasproudfoot.com. And, of course, for more Benny Time goodness, head along to bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me, Benny, asking Lucas questions. Lucas.